0: With the union, gain dignity and recognition.
1: The Outline World Dispatch. It's Wednesday, November 8th, 2017. I'm Adrian Jeffries. Today on the show, I talked to Gabby Del Valle about union busting in newsrooms. And I talked to Rose Eveleth about inspiration porn. Here's the dispatch. Power. So, Gabby, last week there was some big news in the world of local journalism. Tell us what happened.
2: So two weeks ago, the New York-based staff of DNA Info and Gothamist, which are two hyper-local news websites, voted to unionize. And this is after a union effort that began in April and was never formally recognized by management. And a week afterwards, the owner of both websites, Joe Ricketts, the founder of TD Ameritrade, whose net worth is around $2 billion, decided that the websites were not profitable, not worth the money, and just shut them down abruptly at 5 p.m. on the dot by emailing all of the employees and redirecting the homepage to the letter that he wrote to all of them explaining why he didn't want to continue publishing the website.
1: What did that letter say?
2: It was a pretty long letter where he congratulated himself for building DNA Info into what it was and for funding this website that was not profitable year after year after year. And then in the fourth paragraph, he says, at the end of the day, DNA Info is a business and businesses need to be economically successful if they are to endure. A lot of the employees thought it was really interesting that after nine years of supporting this website that was never profitable a week after they voted to unionize is when he decides to shut it down.
1: Right. It really seemed like retaliation for unionizing, especially since he had previously written about how much he hates unions.
2: Yeah. He wrote a blog post that was like, I'm not going to support unions at businesses I create. And he had the chief operating officer of DNA Info send an email to everyone where he suggested that the union could be the final straw for Ricketts, who has poured tens of millions of his own money into DNA Info. So I feel kind of conflicted about
1: this because it definitely seems like union busting and it seems like retaliation. But at the same time, it's true that Ricketts was funding local journalism out of his own pocket for a long time. And DNA Info did a lot of work that was really good. So how do we reconcile that? What are some things that he could have done besides shutting down both the companies?
2: I mean, if he was so ideologically opposed to working with a unionized newsroom, he could have sold the company. Gothamist, and even after it was purchased by Ricketts, was profitable. DNA Info is still operating in the red, but based on what several employees told me, that was partially because of Ricketts' own business acumen and not because of the journalists themselves. One employee, Ben Frachtenberg, told me that in that time, before DNA Info acquired Gothamist, before the employees tried to unionize, money never really came up that often.
1: I mean, we knew that we were kind of, you know, that we were not properly yet and working towards profitability. But, you know, it was always expressed to us that, you know, we were, our profit was increasing and that we were on the way towards profitability. News sites in New York have started to unionize. Gawker did it. Vice did it. Salon did it. Huffington Post did it. The way unions work is everybody decides they're going to bargain collectively, and then you ask the company to recognize the union, and then you start talking about demands. So the union at Gothamist and DNA Info had not gotten to the point where it was asking Ricketts for anything. He didn't know what the cost was going to be of having this union, and still he said publicly that having the union was at least a factor in his assessment that the companies would not be profitable.
2: Yeah, exactly. I talked to Emma Whitford, who is a reporter at Gothmist since 2015, and she told me that they were saving all of the demands for once they got to the bargaining table with Ricketts or with whatever surrogate Ricketts was going to send. Like, he had no idea what they were asking for. We didn't get specific, you know, far from it with anything even close to, like, a dollar amount or, like, an expectation for health insurance or any of that. Um, It was purely like, we want a seat at the table, and um, this is the best way we know how to do it.
1: Why is it legal to bust a union this way?
2: Uh, I spoke with Ramson Cannon, who's a labor lawyer based in Chicago, and he pointed me to a Supreme Court case from 1965 called uh, the Textile Workers Union versus the Darlington Manufacturing Company, where the Supreme Court ruled that it's okay for a company to shut down in retaliation to a union effort because that means that the company is not benefiting from retaliating against the union.
1: So what is the status now? The websites are back up.
2: What's happening to the union? So what's really interesting is that now that DNA and and Gothamist effectively don't exist anymore, Ricketts or whoever is representing him, so Ricketts's lawyers, have to meet with the union and they have to bargain with the union for everyone's severance.
1: We will. We will. Not back now. We will! We, we will.
2: will! Keep riding! Keep riding! On Monday, there was a rally to support the DNA East Union in City Hall Park. I went and there were about 150 people there.
1: When you can't get City Hall to do anything, you call DNA or you call documents. And I want to say thank you over and over again for keeping us honest.
2: And right now, based on what everyone said, the next steps are just to get the best severance available, get the best deal available, and people are kind of coming to terms with the fact that DNA, Info, and Gothamist won't exist anymore.
1: If you are not organized in your workplace, get organized. If you are a writer, talk to the Writers
2: Guild, talk to the News Guild, talk to National Writers Union. I'm with the Writers
1: what does this mean for other journalism unions?
2: I think it could scare other newsrooms out of organizing, out of forming unions, because they're afraid that if they form a union, their entire company could shut down. But at the rally on Monday, Emma Whitford said she wants this to be an example of why people should unionize. And she said, don't be afraid because of us. You should do what we did, especially because most media companies aren't owned by one guy who is... So Rich, he can just shut the whole thing down. And that's pretty much the only way legally to retaliate against your employees for unionizing. Gabby, thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Adrian. Gabby Del Valle is a staff writer here at The Outline. future so rose every so often journalists will work on a story over an extended period of time and i think (laughs) that is unfortunately more rare than maybe it should be but you have been following this one story about a particular piece of technology for over a year now
0: yeah yeah a little over a year Tell me
1: about how you first heard about the iBot and
0: what it is. Um, so I had been tangentially aware of the iBot before I started really looking into it. Um, it's, a, it's a wheelchair that can go onto two wheels. So normally you see a wheelchair that's on four wheels. The iBot um, can actually sort of go up and down stairs by going up into two-wheel mode and then down.
1: You're not looking down at somebody stuck in a chair. We're having a conversation. Getting around is important, but standing up is about dignity.
0: The person who is behind the iBot is Dean Kamen. He then went on to invent the Segway. Kamen calls it the iBot,
1: the eye-level robotic chair.
0: I first started reporting on the iBot a little over a year ago when they announced this new partnership with Toyota. Um, There was this big press release. There was all of this sort of hubbub and excitement about the fact that Toyota was going to help bring the iBot back. And the iBot had gone out of service and sort of had stopped being produced in 2009 because it was really, really expensive, and we can talk about that. But a lot of people were really excited that it was potentially coming back thanks to this Toyota partnership. So when
1: and why was the iBot discontinued?
0: So the iBot was discontinued in 2009. Um, At the time, DECA had partnered with Johnson & Johnson, and they were the ones who were helping to sell and manufacture the iBot. It was discontinued for a variety of reasons. Johnson & Johnson had already poured... Millions and millions of dollars into the development, and then the FDA approval, and they weren't able to recoup that cost because the chair was so expensive, and so few insurances would cover it. The just the finances just weren't working out. And so in two thousand nine, Johnson and Johnson called up Dean and said, basically like, look, this is from Dean. You know, I don't know what they actually said, but according to Dean, this is what they said. You know, we love this product; it's great, but we can't keep taking this kind of a loss. It's just too much money. So then sort of they closed the doors in 2009. They supported the chairs for five years after that, so you could get repairs and stuff. But after that, sort of people were on their own.
1: When that announcement came out that Dika, um, Dean came in, the Segway guys company was partnering with Toyota and the iBot was quote unquote, according to the press release, poised for a comeback. What was your reaction? Was your reaction, would you say, optimistic, or was it more on the side of less optimistic?
0: I think I was interested and probably more cynical than most. Um, I do report a lot about accessible technology, and often when these kinds of partnerships are announced, um, they come with a lot of strings attached. Um, I knew enough about the iBot to know also that it I think that it got a lot of great attention. Um, It's the kind of thing that tech reporters love sort of uncritically because it's this like really interesting wheelchair. And, you know, it goes off road and it goes up and down stairs and people get super excited about that stuff. And often those stories don't actually call people who use wheelchairs and say like, hey, you know, do you need this? Is this like helpful to you? Do you want this? Yeah. So I think that I was sort of skeptical, not just in terms of what Toyota was going to do, but also in terms of sort of what bringing the iBot back actually meant and sort of who would be able to use it. But then also just sort of a question of, is the iBot really the wheelchair that we should be investing a ton of money in? And are we investing a ton of money in it? <laughs> that is a very good question. Um, so about a year ago when this press release came out, um, I, I contacted Toyota and I just wanted to get a little more information about what sort of specifically the plan was, because the press release is, as press releases tend to be, very generic, right? It's so excited about this partnership. We're going to leverage this technology that DECA has. And so I emailed them asking, hey, you know, can you tell me sort of specifically what the timeline is? You know, what what exactly are you guys doing together? And a year ago, when I talked to them, they basically said, we don't have a timeline, we don't really have a plan. You know, really what we're doing is we're licensing the technology that DECA has. And then I talked to Dean Kamen and I said, hey, you know, what's the plan? And he also said, you know, oh, there's no plan. You know, I'm just hoping that I'm gonna be able to leverage Toyota. And then a couple, or last week, Toyota released an ad that has the iBot in it. Movement is a human right.
1: It's something we all deserve.
0: And I got in touch again and said, hey, you know, I see this is in the commercial. You know, what's going on? And the answer sort of was the same. You know, we have nothing to report, we have nothing that we're going to say. I would think that perhaps if they were, in fact, putting a lot of money towards this, they might want to say, hey, yeah, we're investing all this money in this amazing cause that we care a lot about. Um, But instead, I think what we're seeing is that Toyota is using sort of the imagery of the iBot and sort of this idea of mobility and sort of this idea that they are helping all of these people without necessarily committing to making the iBot a reality for actual users Is there an analogy to greenwashing here?
1: Is there, like, disability washing, accessibility washing? Has anyone come up with a term for that?
0: Yeah, it's called inspiration porn. Ooh. Um, And so that is a term that um, a lot of disability advocates use um, to sort of point point out the fact that this is not really for disabled people, right? They're not doing anything for disabled people. They're putting out a commercial that non-disabled people can watch and say, wow, look what Toyota's doing. Look at that amazing chair and look at all that amazing inspiration.
1: So where is Dean Kamen on all of this? This was his passion project and – Toyota seems to, at least from the outside, at least based on what it's said to you, seems to not be doing anything with it.
0: Um, When I spoke with him last year, you know, I think Dean has a lot of things on his mind. He seems to be juggling a lot of different things and ideas. I think he saw this as an opportunity in the moment to say, hey, you know, Toyota wants to work with me and this could be a place where I could bring this back. Um, But I mean, Dean also has his own sort of, speaking of inspiration porn, has his own kind of way of thinking about disability that I think a lot of disabled people would push back on. Um, He actually doesn't like it when you call the iBot a wheelchair. Um, He wants you to call it. Something like uh, it's an autonomous robot carrying a human payload. The subtext there is that wheelchairs are bad, right? It's a bad thing to use a wheelchair. Um, And that is a kind of a, a way of thinking about it that a lot of disabled people rightfully, I think, push back on. He was realistic about the fact that Toyota is not going to do certain things for them. And, and he knew that it was going to kind of be an interesting push and pull between him and them. I mean, the word he used was leverage. He wants to leverage Toyota. It's not really necessarily just, oh, they're going to help us out. No problem. No strings attached, right? He has to figure out a way to get them to offer things that he can use.
1: Right. But on the other hand, they're happy to include some inspirational shots of the iBot in their latest commercial promoting their sponsorship of the
0: Olympics. Right, right. And I think the uh, the quote that the, um, the press person gave me, which was really sort of telling, um, was that they were excited to promote the concept of mobility for all. Admirable Toyota. <laughs> yeah. I, too, like the concept of <laughs> mobility.
1: <laughs> so I think it's worth pointing out that even though when you talked to Toyota, they were they said there's no timeline. When you talk to Dean, he said there is no real agreement that the press release and this video that Dean came and made with Toyota around the same time very strongly give the impression that they're working on bringing this thing back. Totally.
0: So there's clearly something happening, or at least the idea of something happening, um, but it's really unclear what that something is, Um, whether it's an actual sort of full rollout of of a new iBot that people can buy or whether it's sort of a limited run thing like what BMW did for the Paralympics last time, right? They made four very amazing fancy wheelchairs that four people got to use. At least DECA and Toyota are sort of profiting from this idea that there is something happening. And maybe there is something happening. I, I don't know.
1: Rose Eveleth is a journalist and host of the excellent podcast Flash Forward. Rose, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. That's all for The Dispatch. If you like the show, go to Apple Podcasts, give us a review, or tell a friend. I'm Adrienne Jeffries. Thanks so much for listening. We'll have more stories tomorrow.